Welcome to Lorica, the podcast of Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. St. Patrick's is a parish in the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese of North America, serving the Western Rite. Father Patrick is also the administrator of the Orthodox West. Monday Thursday takes its name from the Latin mandatum, meaning commandment. And it is a reference to Christ's words to his disciples in John's Gospel, chapter 13, which he says to them this night, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Our Gospel lesson um, from from John 13 tonight focuses our attention on Jesus' washing of the disciples' feet and the liturgical rite of foot washing, which will take place a little bit later tonight, has also been called the the mandi, the commandment, because of what it symbolizes in relation to this gospel lesson, and because Christ's new commandment to love is the first antiphon in the ceremony of the foot washing. Jesus' washing of the feet of the disciples is most often seen as a symbolic act of humility, of servitude and brotherly love. And it is this very much. It was not just taken by the church to be a one-time symbolic act performed by Jesus, but from the earliest days of the church, it was imitated both liturgically and literally. St. Paul speaks of widows who were worthy of aid because they had washed the feet of the saints. Talks about this in 1 Timothy. But what Jesus is doing here in this act, it is far more than just a symbolic act of brotherly servitude. It is also a prophetic act. It is pointing to something that is yet to happen. Very similarly as other symbolic, you know, prophetic acts by Old Testament prophets, you know, predicting a coming event. You remember... I think it was Ezekiel laid on his left side for 390 days, predicting predicting something. It was kind of an act like that, a prophetic prophetic act. And the key to understanding what Jesus is doing in the washing of their feet as a prophetic act is in the exchange he has with Peter in our reading. Peter was apparently embarrassed to have his Lord wash his feet. And when Jesus approached Peter... He threw up his hands and said, now wait a minute, you know, hold on, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus, very patiently, he had lots of practice being patient with Peter, he very patiently responded, saying, Peter, you cannot understand what I'm doing now, but you will understand later. That's very important. Now... Peter couldn't understand what he was doing. He was washing his feet. There were actually instances where the master of the house would wash the feet of his guests. This was extraordinary, but it did happen. It was an extreme expression of respect and love that the master might want to show to his guests. So it wasn't unheard of. This was not unheard of, even to Peter. And Peter was fully capable of grasping 
the expression of humility and love that Jesus would have been showing the disciples by washing their feet. That was not over his head. But Jesus is clear that Peter, at this point, is incapable of really grasping what this foot washing is all about. At least for now, he says. You'll understand later. Peter can't understand because this prophetic act is pointing to something that hasn't happened yet. Something that Jesus has told them about, but they weren't able to hear what he, had, what he was saying. Peter, in his typical Peter fashion, is completely unconvinced by Jesus' explanation. <laughs> this is Jesus. He's like, yeah, I don't know. Um, and he basically says, you know, Lord, I don't know what you're talking about, but there's no way I'm letting you wash my feet. <laughs> we should be thinking right now of another incident when Peter rebuked Jesus. When Jesus told him he was going to die. Oh, no, you're not. And Jesus called him Satan. We'll come to that momentarily. Well, after Peter refuses Jesus, Jesus has to ramp up his rhetoric a little bit to get through to him. So Jesus says to Peter, if I do not wash you, you have no heritage in me. That's the word. You have no heritage in me. In other words, you will not be my brother. You will not be in my kingdom. You will not be my heir. You'll be cut off. No part of anything I'm doing here. You're out. Now there's another clue uh, that this is a prophetic act and not just a nice example of humility. After Jesus had washed their feet, including Judas' feet, by the way, giving Judas another opportunity to repent, Jesus... You know, he puts his clothes back on, and he sits down, and he asks them, he says, do you know what I've just done to you? Well, yes, he had washed their feet. That's what he had just done. Besides the practical matter of getting the day's dust off their feet, which, again, doesn't make any sense because that should have been done before the meal, not in the middle of the evening. But beside that, he was demonstrating to them humble servitude. Yes, that's what you've done. That would have been clear enough to them in the moment. They could have easily grasped that. But when he asks, do you understand what I have done to you? This is a rhetorical question. They did not understand. <laughs> he just got done telling Peter, you will not understand this. You do not understand this yet. You will, but you don't now. So what was Jesus doing washing their feet? Ultimately, Jesus washing the disciples' feet was a prophetic, prophetic act predicting his death. That's what it was. That's why they didn't understand. And that's also why Jesus said, if I don't do this, you have no heritage with me. If you don't embrace the scandal of the cross, you are none of mine. In addition to a prophetic act, the foot washing also has the symbolic power of demonstrating humble servitude that Christ expects to be the norm amongst his family. But it is a humble servitude rooted, clearly rooted, in the willingness to die for one another because Christ has died for us. The foot washing is about the cross. It's not just about humility. It is about dying. After he finishes washing their feet, he gets dressed, he sits down, and he teaches them. 
Something he had taught many times, we read this in John's Gospel and in the Gospels, but he teaches again that the servant is not greater than the master. This whole theme that's very important to Jesus' interaction with the disciples over the years that he spent with them. The servant is not greater than the master. And if the teacher and the master has washed their feet, i.e. died for them, they are going to be required to do the same. That's what this was all about. We can and should draw a lesson of humility and serving one another in humility from this story. But ultimately, it speaks to us, predicts his sacrificial death and our sacrificial death. I'd like to also point out something else that occurred to me as I was looking at this passage, another very interesting parallel, never thought of before actually, between Peter and Judas. Peter and Judas, all of a sudden you start thinking about that, just mentioning the two of them, Peter and Judas. Peter and Judas are the, I don't know, the the engine and the caboose of the apostolic train. (laughs) Peter, the greatest of the apostles, and Judas, the least of the apostles, who ends up becoming decoupled from the end of the train. Well, this is the second time Peter resisted Christ's death. The first time, which we've already mentioned, when he rebuked Jesus for saying that he would die, and this time resisting the washing of his feet, which was, unbeknownst to Peter, also a rejection of Jesus' death. In both instances, Jesus rebukes Peter, the first time calling him Satan, and in both instances, Peter immediately repents. Just wonderful. Immediately repents. In this case, humorously, he repents and then wants Jesus to give him a bath. You know, just... Pour it all over me. Everything, Lord. Let me have it. And that is meant to be funny. <laughs> that is meant to be funny. I think, um, I think John amused himself quite often making fun of Peter. Numerous times. You know, lumbering Peter trailed behind me on the way to the tomb. There's all kinds of instances where he makes a little fun at Peter. Judas, on the other hand, had ample opportunity to repent. Ample opportunity. The Lord was gentle with him. He continued to keep the door open for Judas. For him to return to his senses and to repent. You know, when he called him out at the supper, he actually didn't call him out in front of everybody. He was quiet about it. He didn't expose him. He said enough so that Judas knew that he knew what Judas was doing. To give Judas an opportunity to repent. Judas was unmoved. And then he washes Judas' feet. Tremendous love and humility expressed from our Lord to Judas, who betrayed him. Judas, Judas is still just as hardened in his intent. And finally, this is the clincher, Jesus shares the sacrament of his body and blood with Judas. This becomes the final judgment upon Judas's hardened heart. We think of our epistle reading tonight. St. Paul warns the Corinthians, don't come to the table unless you're duly prepared because it could be judgment for you. And this was judgment on Judas. And Satan entered him and he went out and betrayed the Lord. Another parallel between the two of them, 
the two most poignant acts of betrayal we have in the gospel record against Jesus were committed by Peter and Judas. Peter and Judas. Peter wept bitterly in repentance. Peter gives us all hope. Peter gives us all hope. We can all be like Peter. We can fall hard, but we can weep hard and get back up. Peter wept bitterly in repentance, and he was restored, became the greatest of all the apostles, while Judas just went out and hung himself. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. This has been a production of the Orthodox West.